All right, so we've been talking about the art of making disciples. Today we're going to be in part eight of that series of messages, part three specifically of the Word. It's pretty important that you know the Word if you're going to make disciples. One of the things that we've learned is you can only give what you've already got inside of you. So if you don't already know the Lord, you're not going to be able to help someone to find Him. You don't know Him yet. He's not in you, so how would you help somebody else to be able to find Him? If you don't know God's Word, you're going to have a great difficulty in helping others to understand His Word and to understand who He is. The promises that are made to you, the promises that have been made to the other person that you would approach about the Lord. You've got to know the Word of God. Even to share the good news of our Lord and Savior Yeshua. If you don't know that good news, how can you share it with anybody? Knowing the Word is absolutely critical. Now last week we started in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, I just want to remind us of a couple of verses from there. That's uh, starting in verse 8. And it says, This book of the Torah should not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will be successful. We then went on to Luke 8, 1 through 21, which is the story of the seed that was thrown onto the ground, and what happened with it. Yeshua presents it in this way. He says, there was seed, and it wasn't that the seed was different. It was the same kind of seed. But it fell on four different kinds of ground. That that fell on the hard road surface was rapidly plucked away by the birds of the air. It never grew to anything. That that fell on shallow, rocky soil, it grew up quickly with a little bit of rain and it was glad and everything else. But it had no root and so when the sun bore down on it in the hot summer, it quickly withered away. It had no root. Then that that fell into the thorns and among the weeds, it was essentially swallowed up and strangled by those thorns and those weeds. Yeshua spoke of those thorns and weeds as being the cares of life, you could say the distractions of the day. And then the seed that fell on the good soil, the soil that was deep, the soil that didn't have the weeds in and such as that, that, that seed grew up and it produced a harvest, 30, 60, even a hundredfold. So the disciples asked Yeshua, what does this mean? And Yeshua gave an explanation for each of those types of ground. The person who is like the road, the hard road surface, the devil can just easily snap the word away because it means nothing to that person. The seed might fall there, but it doesn't grow at all, and it can't grow at all. The seed that falls on the shallow ground, that would be a person that has absolutely no support network. So they make a, a decision that they're going to follow the Lord. They raise their hands. They worship with us for a while. They're happy. They're glad. But they have no root. And so very quickly when the times of testing come, they fall away. Hence the, the, the rocky, shallow soil. The third, the, the ground that had the weeds and the thorns, 
Folks, you know as well as I do that we have all kinds of distractions we can allow to take our minds away here in the United States. We have sports, we have restaurants, we have theaters, we have dances. We have everything that can take our mind away from God if we let it do that. These things are like weeds. I mean, we may have a good time with them for a moment, but they, do they really do anything for us over time? And the answer is no. So you can enjoy them for the moment, but wow. Folks, we know people. Every one of us know people who those distractions of the day, that's what commands their life. But then the seed that falls on the good soil, the deep soil, this is a person who has a good support network. This is a person who doesn't allow the distractions of life to take them away from God. This is a person who is able to put down some root. This is a person that is not going to allow the Word of God to be snatched away from them. Now one of the things I pointed out last week is when Yeshua is speaking about this, when He's speaking about this, there's one thing that you and I can do for anybody that we would go to and we would be helping them to learn about the Lord. And that is we can provide good soil, deep soil. I spoke about Lisa and her garden. She's got a very small garden area, but she grows more stuff in that small garden area than Annette and I do in a very large garden area. And part of it is because she takes good care of it. She makes sure the soil is good. She makes sure the soil is deep. She makes sure that it's got all the nutrients in it that it needs, that it gets plenty of water. This is exactly how we should be doing for those that God would send us to. And by the way, if you haven't heard the message yet, every one of us is called to be a minister in God's kingdom. Every one of us, not just some of us, every one of us, to the level of our gifting and to the level of our maturity in the Lord, every one of us is called to go and do something for God. I found in the former Soviet Union that one of my most effective evangelists, they, they, they had not been in the Lord very long. They hadn't learned the word real well. They knew some things, and they knew those things quite well, but they still had a long ways to go. But you know what was effective about them? They were so excited about their relationship with Yeshua that they just had to tell somebody about it every day. And because of that excitement, because of the fact that their faith obviously meant something to them, it was infectious when they would come up to you on the street and they'd talk to you. And I know this because I had a couple of people who asked me about this person. And I said, yeah, they're pretty zealous, aren't they? They really believe this is something that means something to them. Their life was changed. And your life can be changed too. But this person was so effective because of that. I hear so many people who tell me, well, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Get over yourself and get over your fear. You can, and God has called you to. Every one of us has been called to help others to find their way in life with the Lord Yeshua. Amen? Well, I wanted to go further in 
speaking about the Word of God today because it's just so very important. I want you to remember, first of all, before we move on, though, that part of whether or not the seed falls on good ground, whether it's ground that's ready to receive that seed or not, it's up to us. We shouldn't just wait for the Lord to make sure the seed falls on good ground. Prepare the ground. This is exactly why it's important that you have a relationship with anyone that you're going to be building into a disciple. And wasn't that what Yeshua called us to do? He didn't say go and make believers. He said go and make disciples. That requires a relationship. If you don't have a relationship with the person, you're not going to create a disciple. You need the strength of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, working in you to help you to recall the words you need to at the right time and to help you to be able to give the answers that a person might be seeking. Just to empower you to do the work that God has called you to do. I'll tell you what, when someone needs to be healed and you lay hands on them in the name of Yeshua, I command you to be healed and they are healed it certainly makes an impact upon that person. You need to live life with the person. This is how you make disciples. And certainly you've got to know His Word and you've got to know how to utilize His Word. Otherwise, how are you going to help them anyways if you yourself don't even know the story? What is the good news of Yeshua? Is it just a nice story or is there actually something to it? And if there's actually something to it, what is it? You see, if you know the Word, you can plant the seed exactly where it goes, where it needs to be. If you understand the distractions of life, you can help knock those distractions out of the way. If you give that individual, that precious human soul that God has given you responsibility for, if you're able to help them to develop a schedule that's going to be glorifying to God and that's going to leave them plenty of time to be in the Word and to learn and you're there for them, then guess what? You've already gone a long, long ways towards making sure that the soil that that seed has fallen into is going to be good and deep and nutritious so that that person can grow. For a long time, I had wanted to do good with God. And I'd always be a good boy for about a week or two, and then all of a sudden I'd fall away again. Why? Because of the distractions of life, largely. And because I didn't have anyone else who was helping me to learn what it meant to walk in this walk of faith. One night, the night that I really say I was born again, May 1st of 1981, I also asked God for something else. I said, Lord, send me someone. Send me someone 
who if I just do what they're doing for these first three or four months, however much longer I'm here at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, that I'll be pleasing to you just because I'm doing exactly what this person is doing. And God gave me that person. But why is it that I necessarily needed to ask for it? Maybe someone doesn't ask for you. Maybe you just go up and you offer them that you'd be pleased to help them in walking out this life of faith during this initial part of your life. And I'll tell you, someone says, but I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Of course you can. It's not that hard to do. You live life with your friends anyways, I hope. And so that's all you're really doing is living life with this friend, helping them to understand God, opening the Scriptures with them, praying with them. Every one of you would be surprised how much you know and just how very savvy you are already in the ways that you need to go. Every one of you. So just do it. In Ephesians 6, 17, we read this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. God gives lots of equipment there, but only one piece of that equipment is for offensive purposes. Purposes of actually fighting not just being in the fight but fighting and that is the word of god the word of god is what gives us knowledge the word of god is what gives us understanding ultimately the word of god is what gives us strength the other things are purely defensive in nature the helmet the belt the breastplate your shoes being shot your feet being shod properly all those things are defensive items the one thing that you can use to go on the attack against the enemy is the Word of God. Look at what it says in Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through the same pattern of disobedience. He's talking about the children of Israel and how at one point they refused to go into the land. They were disobedient to God they did not enter into his rest. And he's telling us, don't be like them so that you do enter into the rest of God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Listen to this next verse. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing right through to a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Indeed, we must give account of ourselves to God. Every one of us will. One day, all of us will stand before him. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Yeshua is the King of kings and Lord of lords in that time. Every tongue. Every knee. But think about the Word of God again, the power of the Word. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
It pierces right through to a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, when we read the Word of God, when we read that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it challenges right there because the challenge is that we have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. It's not just that somebody else has or that somebody else has, had, has a need for him. It is that we have sinned, we have a need for him. The word challenges us, it shows us that. Paul says that he wouldn't have known what it meant to covet unless Torah had told him what it meant to covet. You see, the power of sin really is Torah. It really is the instruction of God. Because the instruction of God drives home the point not only that we are sinners, but it defines for us what sin is. It defines for us what our sin is. You see, the Word of God it cuts directly to that dividing point between soul, between marrow, between bone. Because it leaves us naked before God, exposed, Him knowing everything in our lives. This is the power of the Word of God. And this is why it's so important that you know it. Not so that you can tell everyone else that they're terrible sinners, but because by them merely hearing the Word of God, they're going to know this. It opens them up to God also. And once a person understands what their need is, then they do have a choice. That they're either going to follow God and come to Him, or they're going to continue to walk away from Him and ignore Him. They'll either take note of their sin and repent of it, not because of what you're saying necessarily, but because of what the Word of God says. That's the power of the Word. If we know it, and if we're willing to speak it in love to a person that's in need. I'll tell you, when Bill became, well, I guess the parlance today would be my mentor at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Really what he was was a disciple of the Lord who was helping to create another disciple in me. He wasn't harsh. He didn't tell me what a bad person I was. He didn't do any of that. I, I mean, when he first agreed to take me on in helping me to learn, his first words were, let's go to Safeway. Let's go to the grocery store, get some groceries. And someone says, wow, that sounds real spiritual. Well, actually it was. Because, you see, it was living real life. And real life is quite spiritual if we understand it correctly. Our lives should not be divided into those parts that are secular and those parts that are spiritual. All life should be spiritual. Every part of our life should be an expression of our love for God, an expression of our desire to follow God and to walk with Him. 
Hebrews 11.3 tells us, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen did not come from anything visible. The universe was spoken into existence by God, by His Word. And Yeshua is His Word. But God has also given us His Word in spoken form and written form. And we need to know how to use it so that we can reach out to to a world that is desperately in need. Now then, happily for us, There are a number of helps out there that can be of great assistance to the individual that has trained themselves in how to use them well. Now I want to say something about these helps. These helps themselves are not the Word of God. They're not. The Word of God is certainly utilized within the helps, but the help itself is not necessarily the Word of God. The steps that are taken to help a person to come to a knowledge of the Lord, you may or may not agree with every point they make. You have one help that's called the four spiritual laws. Well, are there really only four laws? Maybe there's actually seven, because the Roman road seems to the Roman road seems to suggest that there's seven steps you should take with the person. Or what about the five Jewish laws? So, is five better than four? Or four better than five? Or maybe there's more, or maybe there's less. It's a help. You learn how to use it, and you use it effectively. And if you don't like something about one part of it, then guess what? It's not the Word of God. If you really believe God is telling you to use it in a different way, You certainly can. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to cover a couple of these in short order. And then after that, I'm going to invite Philip and Zach forward. And um, they're going to do a skit for us, utilizing one of these helps. I'm going to start, though, with the, the four spiritual laws. And it tells us up front that just as there's physical laws that govern the physical universe so are there spiritual laws that govern our relationship with God. And then it tells us that God loves us and has a a wonderful plan for our lives. I want to make one more thing clear about these helps. If you allow the help just to do the work that it claims to do, then I will tell you, you haven't finished the job. You haven't finished the job, and here's why. Because God did not call you to make a believer and then abandon them to the world. That would be just like throwing the seed either on the road or onto the rocky ground. The birds of the air will snatch it away very quickly or it won't have any root, and it will die. Do not make a believer and then just leave them to flounder in a very difficult world. Yeshua called you to make disciples. And so when you're using these helps, you're using them just as part of your relationship with the individual and to help them to better understand God.
It starts with relationship led by the power of the Holy Spirit, living your life with that individual day by day, and then as you're doing that, teaching them the Word and helping them to learn the Word. So after the other three things are being done, then this last part is also very good and the helps can be helpful. But in the four spiritual laws, they try to lay a groundwork for the person to be able to understand God and their relationship in His creation. So they point out that John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly, that it might be full and meaningful, John 10.10. Well, one of the things you should have noted immediately is this is talking about Jesus. It talks about the Christ, Jesus Christ. Now, you and I should know that Christ and Messiah both come from the same word, the same root. One is from the Hebrew Mashiach, it means the anointed one. The other is from the Greek Christos, it means the anointed one. But still, one of the things that anybody should recognize is that audience is important to us as far as what we choose. (coughs) Pardon me. As far as what we choose to utilize in order to help them. If you're using a document that is clearly written for a Christian or a somewhat Christianized audience, it may not be the appropriate document to use to help work with the Jewish person, and vice versa. After all, if the language is completely foreign to an individual, let's face it, if I didn't understand for some what ruach means or what Ruach HaKodesh means the Holy Spirit. And I just used the word Ruach HaKodesh, I wouldn't really be communicating well with that person, would I? If I said Mashiach rather than Messiah, then they probably wouldn't understand me either. If I said Yeshua only without, under, without an explanation that Yeshua is Jesus, it's His Hebrew name. It's a word that actually means something. It means salvation, for it would be his, the salvation of his people, and I'm not communicating well either. So when you're choosing to help, to help people to understand, please do choose wisely. Consider who it is you're talking to. Consider your audience. So the first law is that God has a plan for our lives, that Yeshua gave his life for us that we might have life. Law number two is that man is sinful and separated from God, and it has a number of scriptures that go with that. Romans 3.23, for instance, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua, through Jesus our Lord. 
The third law explains the only way to bridge this gulf, and that is through Jesus. He is God's only provision for man's sin. He died in our place. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, the word here is Christ died for the ungodly. If you're talking to a Jewish person, I would encourage you to use the five Jewish laws. The reason why is because the scriptures are going to be worded in a way that is going to be a whole lot easier for a Jewish person to understand. We also know that he rose from the dead. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, and after that appeared to more than 500. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6. He also said that he's the only way to God, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It gives a diagram after that of a bridge that's laid over this great chasm. The bridge looks suspiciously like a cross. And then it tells us it's not enough just to know these three laws. We must individually receive Him as Savior and Lord. Then we can know and experience God's love and plan for us. Now, in a nutshell, that's the four spiritual laws that was written by Bill Bright of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. It's a good document when used with the people who can benefit the most from it. For a certain audience, though, it's probably not all that useful. But remember that. For the proper audience, it can be very, very useful. Once again, it's a help. It helps you to know the Scriptures. It helps you to follow the Scriptures in a logical order. And it helps you to share those Scriptures so that people can gain a basic understanding. You see, almost every one of you in this room, as I was sharing those Scriptures just now, you knew exactly what I was speaking of. Everyone, you have read them. Every one of you have read them well, and you've come to a point where you understand them. And to say that you couldn't share those with another, well, of course you could. You know them better than you think you do. Now, this is where one of those helps can come in, though, because it can certainly help you organize the thoughts. And I'll tell you what, after you've followed one of these helps long enough, It becomes almost second nature to you to share. Another help is the Roman road. And what it basically does is it follows a number of scriptures through the book of Romans, hence the Roman road, that help us to understand the nature of our relationship in this world and our need for the Messiah and how we come to find Him. Number one, says we must acknowledge God as the creator of everything, accepting our humble position in God's created order and purpose. Romans 1, 20 and 21. Number two, we must realize that we are sinners and that we need forgiveness. 
None of us are worthy under God's standards for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 Next, we need to understand that God gave us the way to be forgiven for our sins. He showed us His love by giving us the potential for life through the death of His Son, Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners... In the English Bibles, of course, the word is Christ died for us. In the Hebrew-worded Bibles, it is that Messiah died for us. Once again, who is your audience? Consider that. Number four, if we remain sinners, we will die. However, if we repent of our sins and accept Yeshua, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we will have eternal life. Romans 6.23 Number five, confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved, Scripture says. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Number six, there are no other religious formulas or rituals. Just call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not about ritual. It's not about doing religious activities better than anybody else. It is about trusting in God, putting our faith in Him. Just like it said in Genesis 15, just like it says in Romans 4, that Abraham believed God and God accounted that belief to him as righteousness. And finally, number seven, determine in your heart to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. Romans eleven thirty six. For of him and through him and to him are all, th all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So those are a couple of helps there. But how would we actually use one of these? I'd like to invite Philip and Zach forward now. And uh, they're going to share with us uh, a little booklet called Have You Ever Heard of the Five Jewish Laws? Thank you. Uh, you want to set the stage as to what's happening? Hey, Zach, how's it going? What brings, what brings you to the bus stop today? Yeah. Yeah? i I got to head downtown to the office. i got to take some documents. You wouldn't believe. They, they wanted me to fax these to the office. Who has a fax machine these days? They won't even take an email. So, yeah, got to take these from the office. Got to go in. But, hey, man, it's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, too. You know, you're my favorite Jewish brother, and I... Uh, and, I, and you know we've been we've been talking a lot lately about about the Lord and and uh, and I I just wanted to tell you you know that uh, as a friend I have, as a, I've been going to the Messianic synagogue and and my rabbi he gave me this booklet about the five Jewish laws now since you're my favorite Jewish brother I need to know right. have you ever heard of the five Jewish laws No we've had some of these conversations before What's different about this Well. 
you know, I've heard you guys have like the 613 laws, oh, and yeah. so this is boiled down to five no, or something. Five. That five. Sound like very many. Well, can can I share it with you? Sure. Can I talk to you? You know, because yeah. I'm just going to go through this book because this is it, it explains it so much better than than the words that I could really come up with. But it talks about how that you know there's just like laws of physics mm -hmm. that govern the universe. And I mean, you're an engineer. I'm an engineer. We know physics. Yeah. You know, it's a it's you know, there's spiritual laws. They govern the relationship to God. And, and the first law, it tells us God's purpose. And so you know God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, the forefathers oh, know of the faith. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so the first law says that we have to have a personal relationship with him. You know, in, 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 the, in Proverbs, all right, you read Proverbs, I know you do. You, oh, yeah. I mean, you go to shul every week, right? You're in there every mm -hmm. Shabbat. And, uh, and it says the Lord made everything for his purpose and, uh, and for his own pleasure. And, and he wants us. To, I mean, he had that personal relationship. We look back in, the, in, the, in Genesis and we mm. see how he had that relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and we know that a personal relationship is going to bring us his abundant life, his peace, his mm -hmm. happiness, his meaning, his purposes, and joy. It says in Psalm 1611, there, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Oh, and when you talk about peace, that's what every Jew wants is shalom. That's right. That's right, We're brother. That. Mm -hmm. But you know, do most people really have that today? No, no. No, you know, you no, know. even Jews. Yeah, why not? It's because, and there's law number two, sin. It mm. reveals our problem. We've got sin in our lives. It, it breaks God's laws. It separates us from God, from that personal relationship. And it causes us that spiritual death. You know, it says in Isaiah 59 too, but your sins, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Separated you between your God. It separates us. It causes that spiritual death. It causes us guilt. It doesn't give us that shalom, that peace. You know, if I sinned against you, you know, mm -hmm. we would not have even be talking. We wouldn't be sitting here on the bus together, riding downtown, because we wouldn't uh, be wanting to see each other. You know, we'd be frustrated with each other. We wouldn't be happy. We'd lack purpose. It, you know, mm -hmm. it's Ezekiel eighteen four. It says, "The soul that sins shall die," and everybody sins. There in First Kings eight forty six. Yeah, everybody sins, but but I'm Jewish. I mean, God chose us. He brought us near. Well, well, What's sure, but I mean. How does a Jewish person remove their sin? You know, you can't do it on your own. You know, we can't That's do it. True. It says in Isaiah 64, 5, all of our righteousness is as filthy as rags. You know, I know, I know you guys, on, when you do your Yom Kippur, and you have the 10 days of awe before that, and you know, doing all these good deeds, yep. like this is this... But I tell Try you to what, care man, for the poor and things like that. Yep. That's all... Me, I mean, that's good, but... That's a man-made plan. It, it doesn't really, it's not what God says. He, he, it's, it's your own idea about how to make up for your bad deeds the rest of the year. And the rabbi doesn't teach me that. Doesn't teach you that it's, that it's man's plan. You know, the Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. That's, that's still that separation. And, and so even if I do everything that the rabbis tell me to do, that's still not good enough? That's right. That's, it, it, it is still not good enough. You know, that seems, that seems harsh, but it's true. 
It's still not good enough. Sin only can be removed by faith. By, by faith. This is, I mean, we talked about Abraham before, you know, the righteousness that comes by faith. It says in, in, in Bereshit, mm-hmm. Genesis 15, 6, says in he, Abraham, who's the father, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, right? We all know that from childhood. <laughs> he believed in the Lord, and God counted that as in, to him for righteousness. It was his faith. It was his faith that did that. And now, that faith that we have to have, just like Abraham, it got to be placed in the blood of atonement. Mm. Yeah. This is like Yom Kippur, you right? You need the blood. You need the blood. So Yom Kippur. Right? You know your Hebrew. Yeah, but Kippur. the rabbis say that now that's replaced by prayers, and, you know, that's why I go to shul each week. But how does he say that when Leviticus 17 says that the blood is what makes the atonement for the soul? It's the animal sacrifice that makes the atonement for the soul. That is, that's what the, the sacrifice did. It was a covering, like Yom Kippur. That is the atonement. So what you're saying is, I can't come before God just because of all the things that I've done wrong. Absolutely. I can't either. I can't either. We have to have that atonement. We have to have that faith in that atonement. And that's, that's that mm. next law, that next Jewish law. It says that God gave us that atonement. He provided that atonement through the Mashiach, through mm. the anointed one. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, He was wounded through, through for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace our shalom was upon him and with was with his wounds we were healed we're atoned for in that way yeah but now you're talking about the j-man right that's from the new testament isn't it well no 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 i know where you're going with this but no this is an isaiah man this is now i suspect that your rabbi doesn't ever he skips over isaiah 53 when you're doing the half torah portions every year but it's in there Go and look. Don't, don't just take my word for it. Go and, go and look in the Tanakh. You'll find it in there. It says in Isaiah 53, it says, He was wounded. He is the atonement. But you know, it's, it's, it's like that there is this progressive atonement going throughout Scripture. You know, go all the way back in Genesis and you see this atonement that was given with Abel. Just a one-man atonement. And then, mm. you know, when we get to Passover... We get atonement for a family. You know how you do Passover every single year. And just like they did at, at the first Passover, there was atonement for a family. And then Yom Kippur every year, that would be atonement for a nation, every nation. But then progressively we get then to the Messiah, who is the fulfillment of all this. And he says he's the atonement for everyone who believes, not just a nation, you know. This is, this is bigger than just you being Jewish. That's interesting because... The rabbis always say that a man can't atone for another man. And yet, at the same time, they also say things like this that say that, you know, a righteous man preserves a generation. That's, it's still the same thing. Right, absolutely. You know, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, you already, you, already, you already picked it out. You know, it said, how can you know? You already called him the J-man. You already know what I'm talking about. Who, who has fulfilled all of these prophecies? This is the Jewish Messiah. You're saying all of those point to Yeshua? All these. There's 10 of them here. He was the descendant of King David. He was born to be born in Bethlehem of Judah. He was to be despised and rejected by men. All these 
all these, all the way down to be a prophet like Moses, to be called a wonderful counselor and a mighty God, all of these, he's the one who's fulfilled them. Only one person. I mean, but if he was supposed to be like King David, wasn't he supposed to come and, you know, in a, as a mighty king and bring his kingdom? I, yeah. mean, I mean, we're expecting the Messiah to be a warrior. Right. And that's, and that's the, that was why I think everybody missed him the, the first time around. You know, he came as that shepherd. He came as that one who, who was instilling his kingdom mm. underneath all of this. And he will come back as that mighty warrior. He is that one man who is going to come back. And, and so you already know him. I mean, you know, you called him the J-man. I, I would say in, he is Yeshua, though. You know that word, salvation. He's the Yeshua HaMashiach. You know, they call him the J-Man because that was just the translation, oh, well, you know, no, in Greek. It's the same thing, though. Yeah, you know? we, we Jews don't like saying his name. Yeah, but but you can say Yeshua because that's salvation. There's, there, there is, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a good a word for it's us. a Hebrew word. Absolutely. And, and, and look, he says, when you meet God's requirements concerning Messiah Yeshua, you complete your Judaism by gaining... The blood of atonement, whoa, 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 the Messiah, whoa, whoa. and a more personal relationship. You're with saying God. that I could be Jewish and believe in Yeshua. Are you? Are you sure? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, brother. I, I don't mean, know if I've heard anybody us, like that. He calls that. us where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are so many. There are so many, so many millions, millions of Jewish people. I mean, it started out all Jewish people. Even for the first 150 years, it was almost all Jewish people that were, that were believing in Yeshua. And they didn't change from being Jewish. They didn't all of, change. All of his disciples were Jewish? Every single one of them. Every mm. single one of them was Jewish. He was Jewish. The whole, I mean, that was, that was the way it was. And so they all had to humble themselves before him. And and say that they were trusting in his atonement. That's the fifth law, is that it, it's, it's up to us to trust in him. It's up to us to call on his name. You, in, back in Joel 3, 5, it says, whoever should call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This Lord is Yeshua. Mm. He is that Lord, and we have to call on him. And so we have that choice, brother. We have that choice that when he knocks, and I think he's knocking on your heart right now, that he knocks and we have that choice to say, go away, I'm not going to answer, I'm just going to ghost you, well, I or can, come in. I can tell you, you know I go to shul, I, I do, I'm a, I'm a Jew, I do all the things that I should as a Jew, and there's still something missing. Yeah, yeah, this, this is going to complete, this is, this is the step to complete. When you Put that faith in him, in his atonement. That is the completion. That is the step that you need to take right now to, to, to pray right now. To, you know, I've been, I've been posting this on social media this week about praying. It's just talking to God, man. You just got to talk to God. And, and you just got to say, hey, I, have conf I, I confess that I've sinned, that I am a sinner that needs atonement. That, and, and, you know, your atonement, Zach, is not just covered because you're Jewish, okay? It's great, and, it, and, it, and, and it's, it's amazing, and I love my Jewish brothers, but it's, it, that doesn't save you. 
you have to confess that you've sinned and you need atonement through Yeshua. You're, you're believing in his atonement, that he covers mm. you, that he erases it, not just covers, but he erases your sin. And that will restore your relationship to God. That is what connects you with God. Ultimately. Being Jewish sure didn't stop me from sinning. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't think it stops. I don't think, I think we all sin. You know, I, even yeah. if I was Jewish, I'm mm. not. But even if I was, you know, it, it would. So are, are you ready to, are you ready to do that yeah. with me? Yeah. Are you ready to pray oh, that My sin me? is a burden on me. Amen. 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 Yeah. Well, let's pray. Amen. You want to you wanna read that? I'm yeah, gonna... I'll read it. Dear God, I confess that I have greatly sinned against you, and I'm truly sorry for it. Messiah Yeshua, please come into my heart and think and cleanse me, my heart and life, and cleanse me with your blood of atonement. Thank you for doing this according to your word. I'll do anything you want me to with your help. I really mean it, Lord, in thy name. Amen. Hmm. You know, you know, Zach. You know, I, I know I know you well enough. I've known you for a long time. You're a good friend of mine. You're a good friend of my family. Your kids and my kids, good friends. I know you wouldn't just say something like that. No, just just to is... say something like that. I know that you meant it when you said that. And God says that when you call on him, that you're saved. That you are saved. And that moment that you do that, that you are saved. Mm -hmm. That you now have a new life, a new relationship, a new connection to God, that your sins are atoned for, that you have now received righteousness, mm. that you are not, that you are a restored child of God, that you are now oh, not the righteousness you, by faith. Right, like you are by faith, just like Abraham oh. was, much more than just being Jewish. And that now you have mm. eternal life, and even more than that, even now in this life, you have the yeah. Spirit. Hey, man, I'm really sorry. I think my stop is coming up. Can I keep this? Can Absolutely. I talk to you about it again later? Absolutely. Yeah, just give me a call or text. We'll get back together, okay? Yeah. Absolutely. I'll be in touch, man. All right. Thank Thanks, you. brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do, how, nobody knows how to do that yeah, these nobody days. Nobody knows. We all get it wrong, right? <laughs> That's right. Hmm. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Thanks, man. One thing that should have become very clear from that is what really made that work then was the relationship that Philip already had, already has with Zach. This is what I mean. These helps, they can be helpful, but they don't necessarily make it happen. What makes it happen is that relationship that you already have with the individual that is deepened and that grows and that helps you to understand how to conduct that relationship because the relationship that you already have with the Lord. A few more uh, things about Scripture, though, that I think are important, critical for us to understand is that Scripture really does answer for us the questions that a person might have for instance, you heard it come up very briefly. There wasn't a long discussion on it. But the, the question about God and how he might appear to us. Can God actually appear to us in physical form? 
has he ever done so? Yeshua, we say that he is God incarnate, and yet he obviously showed himself as man wearing this temporary structure of flesh for some 33 to 34 years before he was put to death on that execution stake. And so a Jewish person might ask you, well, where in the Bible do we ever read that God actually appeared in the form of a man? And don't show it to me about the J-man in the New Testament, they might say. Show it to me within my own Tanakh. Better show it to me in Torah. And you can do that. You go to Better Sheep, to chapter 18, and you find this individual, actually you find three individuals that are visiting God, that are visiting Abraham. Two angels, and an individual that is constantly spoken of as the Lord. In fact, every time Abraham addresses this individual, the word that's used in Scripture is Adonai. However, every time that Moses mentions him, Outside of Abraham's dialogue with him, the word is always yod heh vav It is the sacred name that's being addressed there. That is the person. And you can point that out if you know this. But if you go through that verse, if you go through that chapter, chapter 18, you'll notice that God's name is used some 15 times there either in the form of Adonai or in the form of yod heh vav Ten times, ten times the sacred name is used. Now there's no way to deny that that's speaking about God, the God, the person. There's no way reading that fairly that an individual can say, that Abraham is not directly talking to God and that God is not directly talking back to Abraham. You can take them through and if you've underlined it in your scripture, you can show exactly where yod heh vav is used and where Adonai is used in every case. And it's very effective because at the end of that discussion, it's obvious obvious that God made a visitation to Abraham and he gave a word to him at that time about his wife Sarah that within the year she would have a child that they would name him Isaac that this would be the son of the promise But then he also asked himself the question, am I going to withhold from Abraham this great thing that I must do? Uh, Miguel, would you please get the kids? Thank you. This great thing that I must do, am I actually going to withhold from him these things? Since essentially I've decided that I'm going to work through Abraham. Why did God decide he was going to work through Abraham? The scripture is clear because God knew that he would teach his children well. 
pretty amazing. And so God did work through Abraham. And he gave Abraham permission, if you'll have that, to actually debate, bargain with God as far as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham says, look, Lord, what if there's 50 righteous within that city? I know, I know that they're terrible. I know that it's bad there. I know that the people are decadent, that the culture is awful, that it's murderous, that it's sinful, that it's wicked, that it's evil. But what if you find 50 there? Surely the judge of all the earth is not going to do wrong by getting rid of them all. Well, for the sake of 50, God says, I'll spare the rest. And Abraham, 40. What if there's 40? And then what if there's 30? What if there's 20? And what if there's 15? What if there's 10? And God finally said, yes, if there's 10, then I'll spare all for the sake of the 10. Now we know the story, and sadly, there weren't even 10 righteous there. But what did God do? He even went to take those out who might be considered righteous. Lot, his wife, his two daughters, the men that the daughters were engaged to even could have come out. But they didn't want to. They didn't believe God. They laughed at Lot. And they wouldn't come. And so sadly, they perished. But it's all there. This was a visitation that God made in human form, in physical form, to Abraham. This was God actually speaking with Abraham. And there's no denying that. If you don't know that about Scripture, though, you wouldn't have been able to answer that question, would you? And this is why it's so important that we spend time in the Word, because it's the Word that's going to help us to know the answers even beforehand. Philip mentioned something. In the synagogues, they do not read Isaiah 53. You know why? Because Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 54 are in the Hofter readings, but Isaiah 53 is left out. Why? Well, there's many answers that you might be given, but frankly, I think Isaiah 53 is just pretty darned inconvenient because when you read Isaiah 53 it really does sound like Yeshua and if indeed it is Yeshua then it points to every Jewish man woman and child that reads it that they need him it's not good enough to simply do good works and to pray on the holy days and stuff like that it's not good enough to do a mitzvot from time to time no, we need the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Yeshua. And the way you learn how to share that well is by knowing the Word, but you can certainly use helps like the five Jewish laws. And it can be very helpful to you. So let me just close with this real quick. Please do learn the Word. You've got to know the Word. Learn how to use the helps that uh, can be made available to you. I'm going to order a number of the 
five Jewish laws, I'm also inclined to order a number of the four spiritual laws. Why? Because most people that we go to in this congregation, most people in Wichita, they're not Jewish. They're Gentile people. They'll understand the Christian language. And after all, it's a help that is going to help us with whatever group we're going to be going to, right? And so why not use both with the appropriate audience? Remember this, though. As good as these helps may be, as nice as it may be to hear someone say a prayer of salvation, ultimately, we're not looking to make believers. We're looking to make disciples. And there is a step beyond becoming a believer. And that step is becoming a true follower of Yeshua, a disciple of Yeshua. I might also point out that that really has been the Jewish scriptural understanding from the beginning. That an individual doesn't just become a believer in God, they become a follower of God. Because what really matters to the Jewish people and their rabbis tell them this all the time, is deeds, not creeds. It's what we do that sets us apart, not merely what we believe. And I'll tell you, anyone who's read Maimonides, yeah, there's plenty of creedal language within Maimonides' writings. However, still, the deeds are there, and that's very important. How do we demonstrate that we're a true follower of Yeshua if it's not by what we do? It can't just be what we say. If we're going to set an example for them, it's got to be by our behavior not merely by our words, as important as the words are also. Are there any questions? I'll just take a couple of questions real quick while the kids are coming down. Any questions at all? It was pretty easy using that booklet, wasn't it, Philip? Pretty easy. And you can learn to use it also. Philip, he'd never seen that. Or at least he'd never really worked through it until just last night. And you saw how effectively he was able to utilize it this morning. Well, you can use it just as effectively. You just need to learn it. Use the word. Use the word well. Know the word. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your love and Your grace. We thank You for watching over us. We thank You for Your faithfulness to us through all of our years. Lord, we thank You that You have given us Your Word so that we can understand You, so that we can understand Your plan of salvation, but also so that we can help others to know You. We thank You for the various helps that good men have written that can also be of assistance to us. Lord, ultimately, though, it is Your Holy Spirit working in us and we need to be filled with Your Spirit. We would ask that You would fill us anew with Your Spirit even now and that You'd uh, empower us to go forth and do the good works that You've called us to among those good works to make disciples. 
And Lord, we accept that when you said go and make disciples, you weren't just talking about 12 people going and make the disciples. You were talking about every one of us becoming disciples. Because all of those that those 12 made, they were disciples, which meant they too would do the work of Yeshua, which was to make disciples. Help us to do this, Lord. Be Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.